If you want to be a woman, be a woman. But Jim Sterling's just wearing a wig and lipstick. Now, some things I want to unpack with that statement that I read recently. <laughs> do they think it's a toggle, like a character creation thing? <laughs> or do they, did they like see Abigail Thorne and not realise the back end of why her transition seemed so sudden? Mm. Do they know how it works? <laughs> do they want me to have bottom surgery performed on me? on Twitch TV live because I don't know if the terms of service will allow for it. I've got questions. No, they don't know. They don't understand how it works. And and do you know how I know they don't know how it works? Because the game's media system is incredibly <laughs> easy to understand. And yet. That's true. That's true. It's just, it was the voice of disappointment as if uh, a re-release of an action figure had come out, but it was just a new hat <laughs> or something. Or like, you know, like the, the skins for the DLC weren't good enough. <laughs> Typically, if you're transitioning as a process in front of people, you're not just going to wake up one morning and be a girl. I mean, here is, the, you've stumbled upon like the deliberate catch-22 the anti-trans lot have, which is... Oh no no, you can't rush into transition You have to be gatekept at every step of the process And you have to be publicly out And not allowed to access things But also, if you've not completed your entire transition on day one You're not trying hard enough Right? Like that's that's the deliberate fucking oxymoron Catch-22 trap that exists And the thing is, is if, if it did work like that You'd only upset other people Someone was very upset at me after I came out because they said the moment they came out, they looked femme and the moment they came out, they got hormones. And, and I'm sat here like, bitch, I'm 37. <laughs> it wasn't overnight. I tell you what, right? If that person would like to swap three decades of self-loathing, I'll do it. I mean, again, it's the same reason you see people who um, hated having to pay off their student loans angry at the prospect that future people won't have to, it will have their student loans forgiven. I had to go through the bad thing, why don't you? Yeah, and and it's just such a, like, I get it, like, it could, there's, like, I, I'm a very envious person at times, Yeah, and there are transitions yeah. I envy, but you don't know that person's story, and you can't just say, oh, it was really easy for them, because, you know, I grew up with Section 28, and... Yeah, yeah. I, half of my life is gone. <laughs> so, you know, before I, I did anything, it's just, hello, everyone. If you've just joined us, it's holy shit, transphobia is weird with me, James Stephanie Sterling, Laura Kate Dale, and Conrad Zimmerman, who I think is mostly just going to nod respectfully. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> yep. Hello, um, we're here. Um, hi. It's been a time. It is a time. Like, normally I just get the whole, you'll never be a woman, which, again, like, I know I'm non-binary and just the usual, ha ha ha, you're a man and all that shit. But I've been getting some, there's been some choice ones I've been seeing. Uh, like the resp like the response to yesterday's Jimquisition. We're recording on a Tuesday, we normally do Wednesday. So from the time of recording, it was yesterday's, this week's Jimquisition on Grand Theft Auto. Um, this comment was pretty amazing. It's by Span Louver. Uh, Stop the virtue signaling, WTF. I like how your voice goes between trying to sound like a female and your normal voice. Stop faking it. You are actually hurting that community with lies. Pardon? <laughs> uh, uh, 
Hey, hey, here's the secret. Here's here's the the truth of this. No one's ever going to be fucking happy, so just be you and fuck everyone else's opinions, because fuck it. That is absolutely true. Absolutely. And I've been sharing this stuff publicly because I... I don't think people who aren't trans know exactly how relentless it is. Oh, yeah. And I also, I want everyone to know, trans and cis included, that these people are weird fucking losers. And I take such joy from the amount of time some transphobe has tried to come at me in the past couple weeks with some bullshit that I've then just shared in public and watched them private their accounts or delete their accounts, delete their tweets, like within hours, because they can't handle in less than a day what we've been putting up with for fucking Ever. Yes. The shit I get over the course of a single day, they can't take an hour of it. And I want people to see that. I want people to see how fucking defanged they actually can be. And and what, just what fucking losers they are. And unoriginal. Everyone needs to know that they've got one joke. Look, freedom of speech means that, you know, bigots are allowed to say exactly whatever they like without any criticism. But to criticise them and to say, hey, maybe stop doing that, that, that's a step too far for freedom of speech. Hi, it's me, James Stephanie Sterling. Consequences. So many of them are used to picking on like, like trans people with smaller platforms, kicking them around, bullying them, making them feel isolated and alone. So making them feel that way is edifying. I'm not going to pretend it isn't. It's edifying. I have, I've gotten so many fucking transphobes shut down. <laughs> recently it's been delightful my name's laura kate dale i do sorry my phone's making sounds at me has it stolen your soul because it's speaking (laughs) with your voice and it's claiming to be you (laughs) i have cameo and i've never i don't ever fucking use it and someone finally was like someone was just like yeah i like the video you did for me on cameo and i was gonna quietly try and upload it during the episode i forgot my sound on was on my phone and that's just me from the past telling someone something. Now a cynical gal <laughs> yeah. would say, Oh, oh, I my phone has accidentally made noises. Oh, what's <laughs> this, everyone? It's my cameo. Hey, hey, that I can see how you could say that, but my counter argument is I've had a cameo for like uh like a year and I've never once ever mentioned that I have it. That is true. So, that is true. Yeah. I'm clearly not trying to go like, hey everyone, pay me to say stuff into my phone at you. But someone did decide to do that. They tr- they discovered I had one and was like, Yeah, I'll give you money for that. I've got a cameo as well. Yeah. Yeah. Original pressing on vinyl. Ooh, fancy. Word up, the single. Word up indeed. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so now that I've, you know, done my very clever stealth advertising at the fact that Very st- stealthy plug. <laughs> so, so, so stealthy I've got a year without fucking mentioning it. Mm-hmm. I did set up a cameo, but then I, all I've done is sit on it and think, is this on brand to have... 100% Because like Here's the thing I've had people ask Like can I pay you To do a quick thing And I'm like Yeah So I set one up And then was like Oh god I can't Promote this Without coming across As the most self-entitled Self-absorbed Fucking kind of person But I was like People have asked For this stuff So there's I'm gonna put it there And if they want it They can go find it Classic capitalism You were told There was a demand You were providing A supply <laughs> And if I might, Steph, no, I think Cameo is perfect for you. 
because I will remind you of our son, Mitroff. <laughs> I keep forgetting to bring it up on Bustard's favorite son. Uh, so, <laughs> game designer Adam Tierney, who <laughs> has been a, a purveyor of our content for many, like we're going back like 10 years. Um, used to work for WayForward, does a lot of independent game development, has on occasion, regularly throughout the years, used Cameo to get Malcolm McDowell, the actor, to congratulate myself, Conrad, and Jonathan Holmes on... I believe it was uh, college college graduation? Yes, I believe it started with the birth. Well, and that one was... That one was um... Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall. Oh, okay. It was different. I thought it was always Malcolm. It was a Kev- It was Kevin McDonald. Um, yeah, and then after that, it was Tay Zonde <laughs> uh, celebrating. I think his fifth birthday. This came like a week later. Yeah, <laughs> and it's been like ten months or something since that. Yeah, Adam Tierney has been getting celebrities on Twitter to talk about <laughs> a fictional son. That Conrad and Jonathan and I have called Mitroff. A.K.A. Little Bongo Boy. Little Bongo Boy, yeah. Seven sisters, I think. Seven, (laughs) yeah. Mitroff has seven sisters. uh, Celebrated his fifth birthday like last week and his graduation uh, this week. Um, Malcolm McDowell's cameo was very, very good. Not only did he, uh, you know, congratulate us and congratulate our son Mitroff, um, he also just gave us a bit of trivia about how he got the iconic costume for uh, Alec Delage in A Clockwork Orange. Ooh. Talked about how, uh, you know, Stanley Kubrick was like, what what have you got to hand clothing-wise? And he was like, well, I've just got my cricket gear. And Kubrick was like, bring that. And he'd put on the underguard, just the, the sort of the white overall that you put the, the cricket guard stuff on. And Kubrick was like, what's that? And he's like, oh, this is just the underneath of it. And Kubrick was like, let's do that. So that's how the the droogs got that that white like one piece look. And as interesting as that anecdote is, and it is very interesting, very I think it's also very enlightening about Stanley Kubrick. Not a sports guy. No, clearly not a sports guy. So that's another fact. And there'll be another Stanley Kubrick fact next week. <laughs> that's what we're doing now. We're, we're now a Stanley Kubrick fan cast, which is going to be very interesting because I've seen about two of his films. I've seen The Shining and A Clockwork Orange. Dr. Strangelove? What? Real? Oh, that's my favorite movie ever made. Yeah? I adore that film. It's brilliant. Oh, okay. It's, it's a good film. Uh, Eyes Wide Shut, not so good. I've not seen Eyes Wide Shut. I know they have masks and bang, but I'm like, why would I want to watch that when I live it? 2001 A Space Odyssey, or as I like to call it, like, the perfect sleep aid. I wonder if I could sit through that. That that'd be a test of my ADHD medication. Yeah, it would. I do have to tell you one fact about Clockwork Orange that I know, and I hope that you both know because you need to know this: the new Space Jam movie. What? Oh God! That that is a movie for children. No. Yeah. Is a big like multiverse crossover. Like it's all of the fucking Warner Brothers properties, not just the Looney Tunes. Uh oh. 
And during the big, uh, the big uh, basketball scene, bit spoilers, the new Space Jam has a big basketball scene. What? Whoa. In the background, there's a certain group of, um, I believe in the story, they are all, uh, all rapists uh, from A Clockwork <laughs> Orange just cheering on the Looney Tunes from the side of the crowd. We prefer the term droog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they're there in the children's movie for some reason. Well, they're there because there will be parents in the audience watching this children's movie. Yeah. yeah. And the kids aren't, the kids aren't gonna know. No, no, but also, like, look, even if you're the adult there, that's gonna be some fucking emotional whiplash. Uh, well, I don't think a lot of people understand A Clockwork Orange or even recognize it either. So it's a really small segment of the audience. In fact, I think that's something more for the animators. Like, there's an an- there's a group of animators there that really love A Clockwork Orange, and they had access to the characters, and they tossed them in there. It's, I mean, it's... Yeah. It, it's weird... It's very weird. It sure is a thing that I don't feel comfortable knowing and I need to not be alone in the knowledge of. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So, hey, we're 15 minutes in. This is Podquisition. We talk about video games sometimes. We do do that. Who's got one of them? Um, I'll tell you what, right? It's the biggest... I was going to say the biggest release of of recent time the biggest disaster of recent time um it might be an idea to kick off talking a, a bit about grand theft auto <laughs> get it very much have the same approach rockstar had with it and just get it out and out of the way quickly yeah yeah see if we were really gonna if we were really gonna do this the rockstar way we'd make a very good conversation about about um about the, the this game then wait about 20 years and then really fucking farm out a rehash of what we've said today yes yes what we could do is we could go back and find clips from where we've talked about grand theft auto in the past yeah then run those through some filters to make them sound worse and then release that out but i fear that would be more effort put into the podcast than was put into the grand theft auto the definitive the trilogy edition i think what we would need to do is use like an ai to translate the podcast into a different language and then back into english to really just sort of mess up some of the jokes so that like it doesn't quite land the way it used to Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah uh i'm not i haven't looked at the remasters I've heard the discourse. Nor did Rockstar. (laughs) Fluttering around. I watched Steph's video on it. uh, So I've seen some of the the glitches. You know, I'm ashamed to admit that this remaster trilogy uh, caught me by surprise. Like, I I actually – I thought Rockstar and 2K would do it proper. For some reason, I for some reason I thought that not the case. No, no. You know, one of the wealthiest, or several of the wealthiest companies in the entire industry, in Rockstar and Two K Games, um, cut so many corners. You'd think that Tecmo Koei was proudly in charge. It's unbelievable the the sheer shambles of it. Now, some people think it overall looks good. I disagree. Like, if, if I'm playing it on, like, the Switch screen, its own screen, it looks fine. But, like, playing it on TV, I find it so blurry and smushed and artifacty and yeah. ugly. The, the new overhauled character models and everything, I 
I don't find them appealing at all. I think they look warped and, and smudgy and weird. Some of the textures are a little bit better. The ones that work, the ones that yeah. haven't been misaligned by the uh, overhaul process, which appears to have mm. been done in an automated fashion, which is why there are now new spelling mistakes included with the game. Um, <laughs> That's my favorite fucking thing. Yes. Oh. They basically, they up upscaled the re-releases, which seem to be glorified versions of the mobile ports they did years ago. Um, they upscaled them using what seems to be some automated process, which means that when there is some text that is like artifacty and hard to read, the AI just guessed, yeah. which is why, you know, something like, like guitar wank booths available in Vice City now reads guitar Hank booths aviable. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, the the one that breaks me is the fucking hot dogs one. <laughs> what is it? The 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 taste of a real man's meat, mm -hmm. um, which is like okay, it's a it's a dick joke. Now it's the taste of a real man's heat. Mm -hmm. How hot is that man? How hot is that man? How hot is that dog? How hot is that dog? So <laughs> there's a there's one that surfaced uh, yesterday at the time of talking, which is it's so perfect, it's almost meta. Well, no, it's so meta, it's almost perfect. Either way, it's fucking great. So in, in San Andreas, there's a donut shop called Tough Nut Donuts. And it's... In the original game, there's a big, like, model donut on top of the store with some, like, nuts as in nuts and bolts, like mechanical nuts on either side of it. Yeah. Now, the joke from the original San Andreas is this... You couldn't really get smooth, curved surfaces on the PS2. True. So the donut they made is all angular and looks like a truck nut. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tough nut donuts, big nut-shaped donuts surrounded by actual nuts. And it, that's a good sort of meta-graphical joke. Yeah. So in the upscaled version, they smoothed the donut. And that smoothed the nuts. <laughs> so it's still a great joke and commentary on the graphical limitations of the product, but one that's far, far more critical this time. It's perfect. That is one of the most perfect fuck-ups I've ever seen, is the Tough Nuts Donuts. Perfect. The... <laughs> The nuts are so smooth. They they still have some angular to them, but they're basically wheels. The joke no longer makes sense, which is a shame because unlike all the other ones that were fucked up, that one was actually quite clever to begin with. Tough nut donuts. So yeah, it's glitchy and buggy and broken. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking hideous as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'd have taken a full-on remake of any single one of them than a shitty upscaling of all three, especially because they have, in my opinion, and I know this part isn't a popular opinion, they have dated so fucking badly, especially GTA 3. I despise it. Oh. And that game wasn't even playable for people who'd purchased it on B on PC for the better part of a fucking week. There is, of course, this. Yes. Like, it's just, it's been a cavalcade. It's been a fucking cavalcade since this game came out. Um, first of all, you know, to give you just a brief cliff notes of the Jimquisition that came out this week, there is... Um, 
Uh, Rockstar started off by pulling a scumbag move that companies do like to pull off now and then, where they take the original versions of the game and remove them mm -hmm. from digital storefronts so you can't get them anymore to try and railroad you into buying the new one. You know, if it's it, it's always that weird message that the game industry likes to send, where we don't trust you'll want it, so we're going to try and force you to buy it, which isn't a great sales pitch, in my opinion. And here we find out why. I mean, people should have been a bit concerned when they didn't show any footage of it. Yeah. Yeah. Until it was like almost out, until it was like hours away. Then they're like, oh, it looks like this. It's got performance issues. Don't we all? Well, well, I mean. Well, well, we're older. We've got yeah. an excuse. Yeah, they've uh, they, they, they like the frame rate dips. At the, why? How have you managed that? That's an achievement in game development. <laughs> um, so performance issues, bugs, and glitches, which have been shared all over social media, uh, things flying all over the place, weird sort of almost seizure inducing inducing flashes when it rains. Every single, every one of the three games has their own sort of litany of bugs. And when it launched, the Rockstar Launcher, which is the proprietary launcher on PC that Rockstar makes you use to go and play any of their games, mm. uh, the servers were down. So the single player games couldn't be played. Um, if you bought it on PC, uh, for hours and hours and hours, that launcher was down. And then when the launcher came back up, GTA Trilogy had been pulled from sale to remove files that had been left in. Yeah. Some some hot ones, right? Yeah, there's there's remnants of hot coffee left in there, <laughs> but there's also like developer like comment notes from when they were making the original game. Mm -hmm. Like stuff that we don't know how it's in there because it's not in older versions of this game. Yep. As somebody who had to pull copies of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas off of store shelves and can clearly remember the furor that resulted from that, the level of just like... Remember that. Yeah. Purge that from everything. How did that wind up here? It is so beyond incompetent. And yet it makes sense that it's there. Of course. Of course it's there. It shouldn't be there. Yeah. But it's so indicative of how slapdash, and I'm going to say it, fucking lazy these port, these glorified ports are. This is, this is laziness on display. And definitive. <laughs> yes. It has defined what Rockstar thinks of the games which precede Grand Theft Auto V. They do not give a fuck. Yeah. And indeed, the people that will play them. Uh, nothing but contempt. Contempt and arrogance worn on its sleeve. Um, it should also be pointed out that they aren't definitive editions of the games because they removed certain sheets for technical reasons, which, why didn't you just put in the work to make them work they're the redefinitive editions redefined yes with less stuff <laughs> so fewer cheats and fewer music tracks because of licensing issues because the you know the wealthiest property in the land won't relicense that was the thing that uh, above all else above all else i can forgive all the other shit because yeah, let's not forget Grand Theft Auto games have always had a lot of jank. They've always had, a, you know, control problems and, and camera challenges, and they were not necessarily great games, as you point out in your video. 
but the music that is so important to those games mm-hmm. that I was like, they've got to get that. They've got to sort the licensing for that and get that back in. They have the money. Grand Theft Auto V is such a, a runaway success. But I don't think they had enough faith in these products to go to that step. And I can't blame them when I look at how the rest of it has wound up. But it's all just, it's all fucked. Well, yeah. I mean, but here's the thing. We needn't weep too hard for the removal of the music that's been removed. Because that's just been left in the fucking code as well. Of course it has. Yep, it's still in there. (sighs) But I'd just like to remind everyone yet again... Not to worry, Four Little Diamonds is still in GTA Vice City. All right? I don't know why they chose Four Little Diamonds. I only spent two weeks on the Billboard Top 100 chart. Peaked at number 86. Cheaper than other tracks, maybe? (laughs) Maybe. I played a bit of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas this week, but not not the re-release, or not this re-release. I I played the (laughs) PlayStation 3 re-release. And I love that game. I've always loved that game. I recognize, and it's it's more evident every time I play it, how unrefined it is mechanically and how much better open world games have become in terms of, of their design approach. But I will say this much for it, that first opening act in San Andreas, when CJ returns to the Grove... And it establishes all of the characters there, and it gives you a sense of that first neighborhood. It is a perfect synthesis of the things that Grand Theft Auto was trying and grasping towards in the prior two games. They finally achieve it here in in terms of the environment and setting and characters all informing each other with the mechanics Mm -hmm. to make you feel like you are a part of this world and that this world is both very intimately designed and larger in scope beyond what you see. It does it so well that, again, I can forgive how not comfortable it is in controls. It's just terrible. It's fucking awful, isn't it? It's so bad. I'll tell you what really is interesting, though, was the fact that when they released Four Little Diamonds on the (laughs) 12-inch Jet 3 track version, it came with the bouncer on the B-side, which was actually a cut track from the um, previous album, Time, Mm. and still uh, maintains the concept of that particular album, that being um, a... figure who's transported into the future. Uh, So I I find that very interesting, especially because the album from which Four Little Diamonds is derived had its own cut tracks, some of which were very, very excellent, as I mentioned earlier in the week. So I'll play some video games. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, do please tell us about that. (laughs) I played a little bit of Halo Infinite that just dropped this week out of nowhere. The multiplayer did anyway, the campaign's not available for a few weeks yes i saw you engaging in dialogue in that game oh yes running around with my big dialogue gun yeah it turns out that game's a lot more fun when you get a rocket launcher and anytime you turn a corner and see someone very close to you you just shout debate me as you explode them <laughs> i made it a very fun game the, the multiplayer in this is free to play and like i'm just going to explain the free to play stuff because that's the important thing to know i think There's a battle pass. It's one of those games that has a 
combined free and paid battle pass where as you're leveling up you're seeing all the things you could be earning if you'd paid for the paid one and if you pay for it you'll get all the things from the previous levels it's one of those FOMO ones where like they try to actively go hey you could just buy the battle pass and have all that stuff uh, that you've, you've already earned there's a time limited microtransaction shop because of course there is to buy, like, a new outfit, the, the day the game launched, there was like, ah, oh, here's this cool-looking white set of armor. £16 for one cosmetic set of armor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they could shove it up their asses for nothing and fuck off while they're doing it. So, I will say, there is one place in which they could have been shittier, and I will highlight it. It's not. I'm not praising them, but it's the first free-to-play game I've played, uh, I've played in a while, where the amounts of money you can purchase perfectly line up with the cost of the microtransaction object. It's not obfuscated of like, ah, you have to buy a larger number and you've got some left over. Yeah. At least day one, the offerings in the store all had exact amounts you could purchase exactly the amount. Oh, the generosity. Which, like, I'm not fucking praising them for it, but, like, it's a step of less shittiness than we usually get, so... Fucking wild. Yeah, the fact that that's notable is depressing. I played the game itself, jumped into a bunch of... Uh, just a bunch of quick play matches. It's it's Halo. It, lo- it, it looks very pretty and it runs a very good frame rate and it, it's Halo. There's not really much to say about it. The game yeah. modes, you've got capture the flag, you've got... Are you controlling more bases than the other person? You've got, here's a skull, hold on to it and don't die. There's killed the other people a certain number of times before you get killed. But like it plays well. I had a f- I had a fun time playing it, sort of in spite of itself. It wasn't because the game was anything spectacular, but like, yeah, it's a competent first-person shooter. If you pick up rocket launchers and shout debate as you shoot people, it's quite fun. It did look fun. That looked fun. If you already have enjoyed multiplayer Halo games, cool, here's a free-to-play one, just bear in mind the monetization. There's nothing new in this, there's nothing I can point to and go, this feels like they have done something interesting I can point to, and that's that's the biggest like negative I can say about it is, I have nothing particular that I can point to and say this is why you should play it, other than it's Halo. That sounds like Halo, yeah. Yeah. I've never truly gotten on with Halo. I've tried to be into those games, but there's something about it that's never spoken to me. The thing that I never enjoy about Halo multiplayer online is um, the time to death. Like, melee attacks in particular, I can't seem to do effective melee attacks in Halo. I don't know what it is. I can't seem to judge where I'm supposed to be to melee hit people. And melee hits are apparently like fucking shotgun blasts. Like, far more effective than your bullets is hitting someone with the side of your gun. And I think that's why it's never clicked for me is, I, I okay, if I'm going to play a shooter, I would like shooting to be the thing that I am expected to do. And it feels very weird when I cannot seem to, no matter how much I run up close to someone right in front of them, looking right at them, can't seem to hit them with my fucking melee attack. But anyone else vaguely walks past me and like, oh, no, I'm dead. You didn't shoot a single bullet, but one melee punch and I'm down. Yeah. There's something about, the damage output of melee that has really confused me about how I'm supposed to play that game. It's funny because I think Halo 2 might be among the five most played online multiplayer games I've in my history. Yeah. But like it's been for it's been so long since I played it, you know, and and I 
I remember liking it fine. In as much as I like any first person shooter, I kind of liked the melee. That the timing of that was, but then three came along. I finished that narrative. And I was like, all right, cool. Washed my hands of it. And I never touched the series again. From that point on, it just sort of felt like, oh, we're doing another one of these. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Boy, that's weird to think though. How few and how little multiplayer do I play? Like almost none. Clearly. Yeah. Halo's always looked weird to me. Like it looks weird. Like, the graphics are good, but make me think of, like, late 90s kid shows when they started doing CGI, like Beast Wars or something. Mm. Everything looks plasticky and fake, uh, I, I guess is the word I'd use to describe it. I can't... There's this weird visual disconnect where I can't feel immersed in the game because everything looks like toys, which if that were a deliberate art style, I'd probably love. But the fact it's incidental really takes me out of it. And uh, like from a, from a visual standpoint, I've never been able to get into the art of Halo. I don't know if that's just me, but it's like everything looks glassy and plastic and, and not appealing as a result. Not an experience I've had, but like I can totally see where that comes from. Yeah, it's it's a Halo. Mm-hmm. What have you both played? Well, I guess uh, in the vein of first-person shooters, uh, I have played a game called Kill It With Fire. Oh! It is a first-person game where you are in, like, a house, and you are going room to room trying to kill all of the spiders in the house. And you get a clipboard, uh, that is fun and multifunction. The clipboard shows you your current objectives, uh, cause there are bonus objectives for each of these houses that you explore. And it serves as a melee weapon for whacking spiders. And that's fun. And then you have, uh, like a, you quickly get a spider detector, which is sort of like a, I don't know, it looks kind of like a PKE meter from Ghostbusters, except it has a little, you know, like proximity indicator for are there spiders in this room basically and the gameplay is a lot of moving objects around a room until you find a spider and then madly trying to kill that spider before it gets away into other stuff that then make it harder to find again there are different types of spiders there are little tiny spiderlings which i think will grow into full-blown spiders uh, full-blown spiders take a, a few more hits than the spiderlings. And then um, there are these red ones that when you kill them, they burst into like a half dozen spiderlings. So it gets nasty quick. You do get a lot of weapons, um, it seems like. Kill it with fire is uh, the, the name for a reason because there are uh, f- flame mechanics. Uh, early on, you get hairspray and a lighter. And so you can uh, set them on fire and spiders will set other things on fire and you can set things on fire and they'll burn and they're screeching. And it is not if you're not into spiders, it is not going to be a game for you. Let me tell you, I'm looking at the footage now and I'm like. It's bold because they've got to know that there is a large portion of the public that will never want to play this game. And they, yeah, and you you do not. It's, it is what it's advertising as. The chittering noise that you hear 
when you get near to where there is a spider is unsettling. The noises they make when they move is gross. They look gross. It's a bad scene if you have a problem with spiders. I mean, I I feel like this is aimed for real-world spiders unsettle me, but I don't have a visceral fear of them, but I would like it if they were all gone. Yes. Let me, let me get some of my pent-up dislike of spiders out. And there is catharsis there, to be sure. It is yeah. satisfying as hell. I primarily melee because... It's the most fun for me to whack them with that clipboard <laughs> and chase them around a bit and whack them, you know, until they're dead and squishy. The flamethrower is fun, and, and especially if you get it, on, you know, for the ones that spawn more spiders, they'll spawn burning and then they die pretty quick, which is nice. There's a shotgun that I got that seems excessive and the objectives are all pretty cool. There are ones that are... You know, more specifically about the environment you, you're in, some of them are related to weapons that you collected in that level. You can revisit any stage you've already completed. It resets all of the environment and spider locations, but completed checkpoints remain completed. Uh, you get to keep all of the equipment you've collected throughout the game when you revisit levels. So, yeah, there's a, a good... It's a good design. Uh, it plays pretty well. It has... A bit of the jank that you expect from a game that has this kind of presentation where it is a bit minimalist visually, but there's a lot of um, assets in it. Uh, the physics can be very funny at times as you pass through rooms and knock into things and objects go flinging off. But then that's also a bit of an inconvenience as well when you now have to dig through something to find a spider that you lost. The progression's pretty cool. I, I'm enjoying it. It's on Game Pass now. It's pretty fun. I, I kind of like it. But uh, boy, they really, they, they went all out on the spiders. They are definitely spiders. That they are. That they are. Yeah. I have to, I have to share an email I've just received. This isn't fucking video games. I, I think... Oh, well, then I'm all in. I need to not be alone in this. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not going to give you any further information on this. But I've built a collection of 10,000 non-fungible tokens, NFTs, to sell to raise awareness for transgender people. Oh, oh those sneak, crafty little bastards. Look what they're trying to pull. Would you like to buy my $1,000 NFT that has a very low quality uh, trans flag sort of on it? Would you like my six trans pride NFTs? I mean, I've been seeing this. It feels really, hey, can we make trans, trans, uh, Transgender Awareness Week into something that we can use to promote our business and get promotion? I'm like, no, fuck off. Fuck off trying to bring your fucking capitalism in here. It's a shame that, like, fashy fuckers co-opted the uh, term virtue signaling because that's a term with some very legitimate application. Such as when you're trying to sell NFTs and you want to dress it up like you're doing something inclusive and progressive and charitable. I mean, I'm having a look. It's very... So here's, here's the thing. They're very clearly trying to advertise, hey, 
we're doing a very small number of uh, charitable NFTs, but we're doing so to promote our entirely for profit NFT business. Please buy our NFTs. It's just like, mm, I don't want to tell you anything about this fucking company's name or tagline because then it will be searchable, but they highlight the fact that the word fun is infungible. I'll say that much. Oh my god, what? Yeah, so there we go. I'm going to say no more about that, but I couldn't. I had I had to suffer with you all. Has anyone else played anything else? Yeah, um... I've been playing Skyrim. Yeah, that brand new video game, Skyrim. A brand new video game that they have released again. <laughs> again! Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, technically, this is more an addition to the last time they re-released it. But Skyrim is ten years old. It's as many years as platforms it's been released on. It's never going to die, is it? No. No. It's never going to die. And I was trying to think of things to live stream the other day and was like, fuck it, I'll, I'll have a look at this anniversary shit because it's, it's basically just the special edition and they've like, got a load of the Creator Club shit and that in it. Um, and I was prepared, you know, to just spend my stream time dunking on how many times they've re-released it, calling it the cockroach of video games as I have in the past. It's going to outlive us all. And then I got a pet crab. Mm. And let me tell you, folks, that is the best game I've ever played. <laughs> you laugh, Conrad, but I don't think you understand. <laughs> I... Have a crab. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. It's an armoured dwarven crab. Mm -hmm. It follows you around, purring, burrowing into the dirt or stone, whatever it's stood on it. It'll just pretend it's dirt. It uses its little claws to eat little bits of shit up off the floor. We are never going to solve anything in this industry, ever. Like, <laughs> never. Nothing is ever getting solved. Conrad, you don't understand. <laughs> Yesterday, when I was playing Skyrim Special Edition Anniversary Edition, the crab had followed me down to the water where I was stood in. And the crab had stopped at such a point near the surface of the water that when it started doing its little picky-uppy food-off-the-ground the animation, it looked like it was drinking. <gasps> uh, it was drinking. It's a little crab, and it was just drinking water like a person. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Oh. People are discovering more Grand Theft Auto bugs I need to tell you about. I've just learned a new one. Mm-hmm. If you wiggle your car as you're driving it a little bit left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right, it just gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> <laughs> you can just wiggle the car and it just gets bigger and bigger and wider and wider. Of it does. Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't oh. it? Amazing. Oh. Oh, you can't say they. You can't say that they didn't upscale it. It upscales <laughs> as you play. This is brilliant. <laughs> Game of the year. Certainly one of the most entertaining yeah. products released this year. Uh, uh, I've, I've started playing through some Shimigami Tensei I'm five. just saying I don't think you understand because... <laughs> 
The crab doesn't overwrite your follower slot and also doesn't overwrite the pet slot you now have. So I can have a follower, any NPC that can do it, right? I can have the crab and I can keep the fucking goat. <gasps> well, until you find the fox and then you're like, oh no, I need to get rid of the goat to get the fox. Oh, I've got the fox. I've got the goat. I've got the fox. I've got the rabbit. I've got the skeever. I've got the spider. You can't milk the spider, I've tried. Both in and out of the game. And the goat, you can get fresh milk off it. So anyway, do you want me to go back to talk about ELO? or? <sighs> uh, well, I can talk about Shimigami Tensei Five. Oh, please do. I've started playing that. It's a lengthy, very complicated JRPG, so like my thoughts are fairly light on it at the moment. But... um. As someone that, like, I've tried Shimigami Tensei games in the past, and, like, I've always... I've always preferred the Persona series, which I know is a spin-off of Shimi of, of SMT, but, like, the Persona games always do, in my opinion, a much better job with, like, presentation being, like, very sort of bold and engaging, narrative that they're actually being a fucking plot and characters I give a shit about. Like, I've always just found them more interesting, approachable games. SMT5 I've been playing some of, and, like, I still feel largely the same way, which is that, like, Shimigami Tensei feels like Persona for, like, your older teenage brother who thinks that anything colourful is, um, isn't cool anymore. And, like, the more difficult something is to engage with and the more it seems like a death metal poster, the better it is. Like, it's just obtuse for obtuse's sake. That being said, I am having fun with it. Because when you strip away all of the things I usually like about a Persona, like fucking plot and like an actually interesting art style, what is left is a really dialed-in combat system that is very unforgiving. And I've actually been kind of having some fun with it, like not being able to get rid of the expectations of what I wanted it to be. I've been having some fun with the very intricate uh, party building system. So for anyone who doesn't know, Persona of Shimigami Tensei, you fight monsters. Whenever you fight them, you can have a conversation with them. Um, the conversations are usually pretty fucking, do not make any fucking sense, but you can talk them around to joining your team. You fuse them together. You inherit abilities from one into the next. That's how you get your strong creatures. This is the most understandable the conversation system has ever been in one of their games. Atlas's conversation systems in these games are known for being like, oh, you didn't get a localizer to in any way work out if them this makes sense. It's perfect English, but it is incomprehensible. This is actual sentences where largely I have been able to intuit what the game wants from me. There was a butterfly that called me a fucking loser scrub in up and upper and lower case alternating in words, told me I should just fuck off. It's kind of fun to have arguments with like, ah, oh, here's a little here's a little snail that's gonna shout at me for like, oh, how dare you think you're a protagonist? Do you think I'm a fucking NPC? Get the fuck out of here. Some of the smack talk from some of these enemies, kinda of fun. There are a lot of systems to really build up your party in what skills your various creatures have. Um beyond the usual like combine these two to have a new creature and sort of pick some skills from each. You can drain skills off some creatures and pop them onto others. You can do certain kinds of leveling up that will specifically build them towards certain stat builds. There's a fun, interesting set of mechanics in here that I 
already know I am never going to finish this game because they're like I'm having fun with the mechanics, and as soon as that stops being novel, there's not enough else to keep me there. So I'm having a good time that I know isn't gonna last. That's Shin Shimigami Tensei Five. I'm tempted by it because I like the Persona games that I never finish. Yeah, yeah. This this is like you know how in the Persona games that you never finish, there's like your likable cast of friends that sort of are like, oh, this is sort of yeah a reason to keep going, and like, oh, we're going to places that are based on them, and they're sort of tied to the story. No, none of that. This is Persona. You're in the the end of the world in twenty years in the future. You're alone. Fucking go fight shit. Like there is no attempt to in any way try and make you care about this fucking world or any characters that you would care about. But it's Persona Combat. Do you like Persona Combat? It's all right, isn't it? There's, there's quite a lot of that in there. There's a hell <laughs> of a lot of DLC. I'm not surprised by that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fucking Tecmo isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Have either of you played anything else? I'll just quickly say I played more Binding of Isaac uh, Repentance. Uh, it's still very good. I have, I'm slowly getting better at it again. I'm slowly remembering how to play it, and I've managed to like see some more of the new levels and stuff. I w- wanted to play it this week, but as Nick Alice always does, the EU Switch version is delayed, and no other version, and no, never an explanation why. That one version is not out yet. Well, shit. I'm going to play it soon. I think it's out this Friday. I think it's soon. It's very good. I don't like one of the new bosses. It's called Colostomia. Can you guess what it is? Hmm. I could maybe I could maybe guess if I had to. It's a big bag of shit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's tough. It's tough to beat. Well, I played a roguelike that released last month. It just sort of popped into my steam field of vision called Dead Estate. It's interesting. I hesitate to say that it is great. It's it's all right though. Uh what you have is a a series of small rooms similar in design to uh like a Hades or um you know many of these other room-based traveling uh, I just played one a, few, a little while ago called Dandy Ace, which features this same basic design where you have these square rooms and you have ranged attacks or maybe you can acquire some melee attacks and there will be enemies that have to be killed before you can leave the room. And somewhere on the map is a key that opens the door to the boss of the floor, which is where you exit. Um, along the way, you'll get opportunities to collect passive items or a secondary weapon. And you can buy some upgrades from a couple of shops on each floor. And it's interesting. It, it's notable because it has, it's one of those games that, like, Undermine includes a jump mm. in this format. And those can always be a little dicey. I can't tell if this one's good for shit or not. It doesn't seem to be good for dodging much. Uh, it is useful for avoiding floor-based obstructions and jumping over some environmental things, uh, which can be occasionally useful, but usually you can't shoot over those things as well, so it's not that helpful. There are some upgrades that give it some function to where you can jump on enemies, but it is really hard to 
like gauge height in proportion to objects in mo- in motion sometimes uh they have a because it's a top angled two-thirds perspective you have to rely on the shadow positioning to know where the x y it is and then account for the the z and it it's it sucks <laughs> like it it just doesn't uh feel good um and there will be you can fire your gun while shooting and that height is accounted for and i don't i hope it never becomes truly necessary it's occasionally helpful to do this but i hope it's never necessary but like bouncing enemies are a fucking nightmare with this stuff you got to time it out so that they're you know you're hitting them on the landing and it just blows it's also really tight spaces because the character sprites and the sprites in general are pretty chunky, but the you know amount of screen area isn't that great. And then when you factor in that you're viewing it at an angle, so every room is a diamond, the amount of movement area is actually pretty small, which is cool because it does put a lot of tension on it. But boy, those tight quarters are uh, very tight. And uh, then when you add some swinging mace object that is also in the air, like at three fourths of your total height jump and going the full perimeter. So the corners are safe and near it is safe, but you're not sure if you're safe on the outer edges and the shadow is not giving you a whole lot of indicator. It's challenging. It's kind of fun if you're willing to work within its constraints and rules, but uh, boy, could be frustrating if you're you're not into that. Also, not sure about like the timing setting wise in terms of like chronology. Uh, the main character graduated high school in 1998. I graduated high school in 1998, and either she looks incredible for her age. Or this is set sometime in, like, the early 2000s. I I don't know. Not really important. I just felt compelled to point it out. Also, another aspect I do like is it's, uh, it does have a timer for the stage. It's an invisible timer. So you don't really know how much time you're wasting on rooms. Uh, you have two characters to choose from. One starts with a pistol. One starts with a shotgun. The shotgun does very little damage. And she has much less health. I'm not sure why you choose her other than you think she's cool, which is what I did for the first several goes uh, until I realized it, I was much better off playing the sort of paunchy, bearded, like, uh, drifter guy that I don't trust at all. Anyway, getting away from the point here, when you're in the stage, even when you're in menus and shops, time is passing, and uh, eventually this hunter you know, slasher movie villain starts chasing you through the levels uh, until you either get to a new shop, which seems to drive them away temporarily, or go through a room that has like a gem-based portal that will teleport you back to the starting room where the floor buys you a little bit of time, or, or, you know, you make it to the boss level. And that's fun. I've only had one time where the the stalker followed me into a room where I had enemies to deal with still. It's normally because I dicked around and ran out of time just going back or it took me a little too long and I'm just wrapping up when he shows up. But um, I like him a lot. He's real persistent. You do no damage to him. There, there's just run. It's great. <laughs> 
I like that part a lot. But on the whole, the game's kind of tough to recommend. So a dead estate, I, I don't know. Maybe get in a sale somewhere sometime. If you really are like hungry for another chunky pixel graphic roguelike shoot 'em up. And who isn't? Yeah. Last thing I I played, um so what a what a miraculous turn of events this is after we talked about last week the fact that like uh several Nintendo games were just available and totally playable very easily before they were supposed to be. My copy of Pokemon Brilliant Diamond just arrived early out of out of nowhere. Nice shipping. Yeah, you know how that works sometimes. Um, you know, total coincidence. Oh, a lot of people, because I mentioned I might get Pearl, a lot of people pointed out Ekans is in Diamond. Yeah, Ekans is in Diamond, yeah. yeah. But that's fine. I I will, I can send you an Ekans if you need. It's cool. I can, I can Ekans, yeah. I don't know, I fucking love Ekans. Ekans is fucking good, right? They got, they finally put one back in with Ekans in it. Game of the year. Wait, wait, what they've been doing for years? Put the fucking Ekans in. Right, now all we need is a crab. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's probably a crab in there. Uh, there's loads of fucking crab Pokemon, yeah. So, but how is it? How is the new one? It's very clear that this was not made by the Pokemon company. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Clear as... Diamond? <laughs> I mean, clear as in, it is a bare bones... It's a bare bones port. Yeah. Largely... It is the original game, pretty faithfully remade, in an art style that is a step forward into 3D, but not an, anything amazing to write home about. There's a few little quality of life changes, uh, stuff like, to do with shiny hunting, there's some little different ways that some of the shiny hunting mechanics work. They're a little more um, user-friendly than they've been in the past. A lot of ports of older... Pokemon games when they get their sort of remake treatment a few generations later are usually pretty beefy affairs. Like if you look at say Fire Red and Leaf Green, um, Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire stuff like that, usually those remakes put quite a lot of effort into bringing newer mechanics back to older games, modernizing certain elements. They'll often update the plot. They'll often bring a lot of plot elements from like the third game that was the combination of the two and bring them into both. There's a lot of that missing here. A bit of context has been talked about in other places before, but like, the main Pokemon Company team has moved off to going to work on this big open worldy Monster Hunter-y style Pokemon Legends Arceus that's coming next year, and like this, this has been made by a team that is new enough that they don't have a Wikipedia page, or at least they didn't when I last looked. It is a perfectly good port that I have no complaints about, other than yeah, it definitely kind of falls a bit short of, like, the treatment that past remakes have had. And I think if you're someone who is coming to this because you're like, ah, oh, finally, Diamond and Pearl remakes, that's my favourite generation, I can't wait to see them get the same improved treatment that remakes usually get, you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed. If you are looking to just replay those old experiences on a new thing in, in HD on your telly, sure. You you will have that old game, and I don't think you're going to have anything to complain about, but it definitely is noticeable that this is the first of these remakes to not be treated like the next mainline installment. Mm -hmm. Because, like, for years that's how the Pokemon company has been doing things, is going, like, we'll do one remake, and then a year or two later we'll do a mainline entry, remake, mainline entry. This was done alongside what's clearly their big mainline entry, and yeah... 
it's it's a little lackluster by by their remake standards. Like I don't personally mind that, but this isn't the generation that like I give a shit about so much. Do you think they were putting in the effort? Then GTA Trilogy came out and they're like, stop, we got yeah. this, we're done. Yeah. We could just sit back. To be fair, some stuff might change. Apparently there's a day one update that might update some stuff, but like, I don't think anything substantial is going to change. And honestly, it's like, yeah, it's a perfectly, it's a perfectly good thing. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to, I'm going to have a good time with it. I have been having a good time with it. Just if Gen 4 is your gen... Go in knowing that this isn't getting the, the extensive treatment, say, Ruby and Sapphire, Gold and Silver, Red and, Red and Blue got, for example. Yeah. Should we move on to some newsy bits? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, should we start with some fucking Activision news from the Wall Street Journal? Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, so here's a story from the Wall Street Journal. Activision CEO Bobby Kotick knew for years about sexual misconduct allegations at video game giant. Did he? Yeah. Did he? Hey, remember when we were talking about Ubisoft's allegations and we were like, hey, there's no way that the person at the top of the company doesn't know about the years of ongoing shit within their company? Exactly. Like, uh, in response to this story when it broke to that, I said, right, let's do Yves Jumeau next. Um, but, like, at the time of the... the Activision allegations came out, I, and I'm not going to say I was the only one. Many people were pointing out, like, he's the CEO of the company. Either he knew for years that the abuse was going on and did nothing, or he somehow diff- didn't, in which case he's totally incompetent and not a leader. Either way, he shouldn't be helming the company. He still is, at least at the time of talking. We'll see if this is, you know, a black enough mark that the shareholders do actually boot him out. But he knew And nobody should be surprised that he knew, and indeed, as the report details, was in on some of the shit, which has never been a secret. Yeah, so we we should probably talk about some of what's in here, avoiding some of the more gross details, but um, Bobby Kotick received a troubling email in July 2018. A lawyer for a former employee at Sledgehammer Games, an Activision-owned studio, alleged in the email that her client had uh, been the victim of rape in 2016 and 2017 by a male supervisor um, who pressured her into alcohol consumption. Real shit. The female employee reported the incidents to um, Sledgehammer's Human Resources, but nothing happened, uh, which, you know, according to this email that threatened a lawsuit against the company. Within months of receiving the email, said people familiar with the situation, Activision reached an out-of-court settlement with the woman, who had reported one of the incidents to the police. Mr. Kotick didn't inform the company's board of directors about the alleged rapes or the settlement, said people with knowledge of the board. This is three years ago. So at the very least, we have an example of three years ago, Bobby Kotick covered up and did not make aware the fact that someone in a position of power within his company did that shit. Activision has been thrown into turmoil, blah, blah, blah. A series of documents, which includes memos, emails, and regulatory requests and interviews with former employees, uh, has cast Mr. Kotick's response in a different light. They show he knew about allegations of employee misconduct in many parts of the company. He didn't inform the board of directors about everything he knew. The interviews and documents show. Even after regulators began investigating the incidents in 2018, some departing employees who were accused of misconduct were praised on the way out while their co-workers were asked to remain silent about the matters. Hmm. Yeah, the fucking paper trail's showing up. Well, it was bound to happen. Yeah. I'm glad it happened. I worried it wouldn't. 
thank fuck that something got found. Well, you know, with Ubisoft, it's easier to be buried because there isn't a formal legal process looking into this shit. Yves Jumeau can keep throwing his hands up saying, I didn't know anything. I mean, I'm very good friends with sex abusers, but I didn't know any of it was going on. Whereas here, there's an investigation going on and Kotick is complicit. CEOs always are. Any CEO that acts just as horrified as us when the allegations come out is a fucking liar. Yeah. A liar. Well, I mean, any CEO is a liar, but you know what I mean. They are lying through their fucking teeth. And these little displays that Bobby's made of, oh, I'll cut my, I'll cut pocket change from the sheer obscene amount of money I take out of the company. Uh, oh, things are going to change here. I'm going to make sure that there are new standards. It's, <sighs> it's, it's not even vaguely convincing as a smokescreen. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to read you a fucking infuriating thing from this Wall Street Journal piece. In a recent interview, Mr. Kotick described himself as transparent with the board and said he provides directors with as much information as they require and is appropriate. <sighs> I am very committed to making sure we have the most welcoming, most inclusive workplace in the industry, he added. It's weasel language that you expect from an executive. And frankly, if I'm, if I'm honest, knowing how investors can be, I think a benefit in a company towards withholding in some information from them because they tend to be very short-sighted and they're interested in their quarterly yeah, but this revenues. Is, now, this is not mm, one of those yes. things. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. Like, I don't object to his sentence, but I object to him applying it, the, it being around this. is like... Hmm. You don't get to. You don't get to act that way around like this kind of shit. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um. Pfft. Activision is basically being like, no, 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 no. Well, I don't know. I don't, he doesn't know about every individual sexual assault claim. I mean, he knows there's been some. Considering there's been over 500 complaints yeah. at Activision, how could he know every single one? No. I mean, yeah, let's just be, let's be fair to the man. Like, there's a limit to how many individual instances of sexual assault perpetrated by a massive corporation that has made no effort to prevent it could be expected to remember. I mean, Lord knows he can hardly keep track of his own instances of where he's been alleged to, to have sexually harassed people. So, you know... Lot of moving parts. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's quote an Activision spokeswoman, Helene Klatsky, in a written statement. Mr. Kotick would not have been informed of every report of misconduct at every Activision Blizzard company, nor would he reasonably be expected to have been updated on all personnel issues. She said Activision sometimes fell short of ensuring that all employees' behaviour was consistent with our employees and that blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah, we don't expect him to know about every single one. What we do expect is for him to be aware that it is happening, that there are examples. And when he is aware of some, like this one we know he was aware of, don't fucking bury it. Because, like, I don't doubt that, like, you you may not have known all of them. I, I doubt this was the only one you knew. Also, he can't keep track of this many allegations of abuse. 
doesn't make the company actually sound all that good. No. If there are too many allegations for one man to keep track of. Bad sign. Yeah. Another interesting bit that's come out in the uh, in, from, in the report is that apparently there is, surprise, surprise, uh, more to the story of Jennifer O'Neill, uh, co-head of Blizzard, leaving. Yeah, yeah. A month after coming on, there's an, uh, an email to a member of the legal team at Activision where she's professing a lack of faith in Activision's ability to turn the culture around. Yeah, the quote is real fucking cutting. Yes, it was clear that the company would never prioritize our people the right way. Yikes. Yeah, if a month into being the new person in charge of dealing with that shit is to go, oh no, they're never gonna fucking get their act together. That's damning. We should be fair to Bobby Kotick, though, because let's not forget that he has intervened when there have been allegations of sexual harassment regarding his employees. Yeah. There was, after all, that time that Dan Bunting, uh, that was the co-head of Treyarch, uh, was sexually harassing someone, and Bobby Kotick did step in to make sure that Bunting wasn't fired. Yeah. Some more stuff about Jennifer O'Neill being being Blizzard's uh, co-head for a very brief amount of time. (sighs) She talked about some of the bullshit she went through at Activision Blizzard. In an email, she said she'd been sexually harassed in her career at Activision, was paid less than her male co-counterpart at the helm of Blizzard. Yeah, that's fun. That's a real good, yeah, just, whoa. Yeah, way to observe that pay gap, assholes. Wow. Yeah, here's a quote. I have been tokenized, marginalized, and discriminated against. Well, yeah. That sounds like you were. That sound, yes, it does. It sounds, it's, it sounds suspiciously like her role in that position. Yeah, was to not get paid as much as the other co-lead in order to be a token figurehead, and maybe she wasn't happy with that. Well, yeah, because apparently all that they really wanted her for was to deflect criticism. Oh, 100%. They wanted to be able to say they made her a co-head. Allegedly. Because, like, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. Because I suspect they were, like, people will talk more about her getting put in that position than they will her leaving it. It's a plus for the perception. Good on her for leaving. Yeah. And and I hope that she gets a fantastic severance package. Yeah. I mean, I know it's already been settled and, and whatnot, but I, I and I hope that she can actually do things that she wants to do. Because, yeah, that was all bullshit. Yeah. Uh, also, Kotick comes back into this fucking story around uh, around O'Neill. Um, she described a party that Activision um, threw that Kotick was in attendance to uh, around 2007, in which scantily clad women danced on stripper poles. At the same party, a DJ encouraged female attendees to drink more, so men would have a better time. Mr. Kotick didn't remember attending such a party, apparently, according to an Activision spokesperson. Well, when you attend so many parties where people are encouraged to drink more so that men will have more fun, uh, how do you tell them apart? Yeah. Yeah. How do you isolate all of these? I mean, we've been to industry parties. They're all effectively the same. Yeah. This is why the excuse that, oh, it happened years ago, or, oh, they've addressed it, let's move on and talk about Far Cry or Call of Duty. That's why these excuses don't wash. Because the men who oversaw the abuse 
are still there, haven't answered for what they've done. And as we've heard with Ubisoft, they're still doing it. It's still happening. Yeah. It has been pointed out in this Wall Street Journal article as well. You briefly mentioned Cotit being accused by several women of mistreatment in and outside of the workplace. The the fact that I have to scroll to look at all of the very brief um, summaries of the multiple allegations. He was accused by an assistant. He was sued by a flight attendant. 30 female employees from Activision's esports division complained. He had to settle in arbitration. Like, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Fucking, you, you cannot reform this while he is still in that company. No. Like, there is no fixing this while he's in that company. He was in charge. He knew about things. He covered the things. He did some of the things. Yeah. The same is true at Ubisoft. The same is true whenever these allegations turn up at a company. Yeah. So... We got a couple of other stories, some 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 little quick ones to get through. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Six, we have definitive reiteration that ain't coming to PlayStation. Whatever your your Skyrim follow up is, not coming to PlayStation. It's going to be PC and Xbox. I mean, we all kind of knew it. They've been hinting at it. They've been. Yeah. They just said it. They said the 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 thing loud. I don't think anyone should be surprised by that. Exclusivity is not good for the overall health of the industry, but if you buy a company, I fucking that's up to you, I guess. Nintendo finally fucking acknowledged that Joy-Con drift is a thing, but didn't actually commit to any kind of doing anything about it. Um, this is of relevance because until now, Nintendo has basically never actually acknowledged it's a thing. And even so, they're still trying to hand wave and pretend it's not not so much a, a problem. Doug Bowser was talking to The Verge, and his quote, As we've gone through the first five and a half years of the Nintendo Switch, we've observed gameplay, we've observed as people have returned to units how they've worn, and we've been making continuous improvements overall to the Joy-Con, including the analog stick. He tries to make an analogy of, like, car tyres wear out over time, you know? Y- yeah, but... Nintendo, other companies' analog sticks don't wear out with the regularity yours do. Things wearing out happens. Yours do it a lot faster than anyone else's, is the thing. Yeah, they're, they're just sort of trying to act as if, like, oh, yeah, it, it's a thing, but, like, it ha- everything wears down. So, hey, people who interview Nintendo people, like, hey, keep keep talking about that. They acknowledged it's real. Point out that other companies don't have this problem. Ah, oh, so you know how chip shortages have been a thing everyone's been talking about during the pandemic? I have heard that. Yep. Yeah, it's continuing to impact stuff. The Steam Deck, that's getting delayed. Yep. The Play Date, that's, that's getting delayed. Mm-hmm. The Odin, which is a handheld um, emulator, because um, you know I'm into those kinds of things, that was one I've been having my eye on. That's delayed also. Yep. Nintendo and Sony have both announced that they're not going to hit their production targets for the year by quite significant margins because of inability to have chips available. So yeah, that's that's just a thing that keeps having knockback effects and it's going to take a while to sort. One of the most interesting things I read about this was um, Playdate, for some of their stock they're manufacturing, have had to go and get a different kind of chip to put in some batches of the Playdate, they'll do the same thing. Because the ones they were using aren't going to be available again 
for seven years. Jesus Christ. They've got a seven-year backlog on orders and had to go and design new chip components that could be made a different way. Like, that was real fucking telling. There is a real shortage of components right now, and that's gonna be a thing for a while. Yeah. It's like I said on Twitter, like, capitalism can't even give us the bread and circuses anymore. Yeah. They can't even give us the distractions from all the other shit they're failing to provide us. Yeah. A year after its original release, Spider-Man's finally coming to that Avengers game, and that feels way too fucking late, right? Yeah. Even as someone that really enjoyed that game at launch, and I know I'm in a minority here on that, but, like, it's been too long, I don't give a shit anymore. I I stuck around and played some of the fucking story DLC updates. I don't care enough to go back at this point. Yeah, can't, can't say I blame you. It's been a while. Yeah. I, I think the last thing we got on the topic list, very briefly mentioned at the end of the show last week, but um, I think in a shout of we need to talk more about this, that Lies of P trailer we saw right at the end of fucking episode last week. Mm. That sure is a thing? I guess. That's a thing. Uh, okay, I mean, look, I am all up, all up in the idea of taking public domain shit and putting a new spin on it. I think it's hard as hell to come up with an original idea and build it out, start from somewhere. I don't know what the fuck they're doing here. I'm curious. It's too bad it's a, a Souls-like game I'll never play because I I am curious. The more I think about this game, the more I'm like, you know what? Sure, I'm I'm up for a Souls-like game where like the end goal is become a real boy. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, sure, hell yeah, like. Oh, you wanna you wanna become a real human? Yeah, you gotta fucking you gotta fucking murder everything in the land to attain your humanity. I'm I'm here for that. So long as and I have one caveat. You need to be able to extend his nose and use it as a melee weapon. I mean Well yeah. Obviously. Of course. <laughs> like, if if you can't make his nose a big long sword that I can fight with, I'm 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 out. I'm not I'm not invested. <laughs> I really like the look of it. Yeah, it it seems to be that the Bloodborne is the thing that all the games have like they've they've got everything they want out of Dark Souls. Casey Explosion showed me another one, um, Themesia, Themesia, T H Y M E S I A. Mm. She feels like there's like gameplay wise a bit of a Sekiro vibe to it, but visually it's like Bloodborne. Like it's clear that that's gonna be the new thing is they've gotten all of the Dark Souls stuff has been done and they're like, we still want to do these Souls-like games, so now they've just make it all look a bit Victorian-y. And I mean, I'm I'm very here for that. Like, I mean, Life of Pi looks really good. Lies of Pi, sorry. Yeah, it genuinely looks like it looks really cool. Like, outside of its weird gimmick, I still think it looks really cool and I'm kind of intrigued. Uh... Yeah, I think that's it for this week. I think I think we've done it. Ah, there we go. Yeah. Well, Laura. Me. You things do? Question mark. Me. Yeah. Me things do. Uh, Laura K Buzz in all the places: Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Uh, if you like little enamel pins with little trans pride coloured wings on them, cool design, go to thegymporium.com. You can get them there alongside other cool things from me and Steph and Conrad. Other than that, I've got books. Uh, the main one at the moment is called Who Hunts the Whale? 
Go pre-order a copy. It is a book about the video game industry, definitely fiction, and how terrible the executive class in the video game industry are, definitely fiction. I've been going through going through the second draft uh, with my lovely wife Jane this week. I'm real proud of that book. Go go order a copy. It's real neat. Other than that, podcasts, Pixel Squirts, where I talk about video game porn, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about the things I do that aren't video games. And uh, Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. They're all their own stories, so jump in wherever. Conrad, you were on that, weren't you? I sure was. Now you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Conrad Zimmerman, or you could come and hang out with me on Twitch uh, a few days a week. Twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. You click the follow button, and then then it tells you when I'm live. Uh, you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Who? James Stephanie Sterling. Oh, God. Oh, Christ almighty. I was just looking at someone who had photoshopped jonathan holmes's head onto shrek and it looks amazing jonathan is really asked like really wants people to deep fake him as shrek this is something he wants it's not something i'm made happen to him no 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 this is this is i i you know i don't want to be a narcissist but this feels targeted uh, but yeah, you can uh, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash jimquisition uh, that, you know, keeps me doing stuff, which is good. Uh, I stream every Monday and some other days of the week uh, when I can on Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. As has been pointed out, you can get all sorts of uh, fun stuff at thegymporium.com, uh, all sorts of merchandise. Uh, we have had to put the gays can do whatever they want shirts on pre-order again because they keep selling out. So please just pre-order it. I swear it will be so much easier for everyone involved if you're thinking about getting one of these shirts to just get the pre-order because otherwise a whole bunch of people are going to show up when, when we get them back and we'll just immediately sell out again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, if you can get to the Pittsburgh area on December 13th, uh, I will be fighting Brandon Kay at Rise Wrestling at the Howe Building. Uh, that is the big I Quit match for full control of the company. The, the one I've been talking about, I've been running as, as executive commander and as champion regent. And this is the big one to see who gets to keep everything mm. uh, so that's going to be very good very very big match biggest match i've ever had um very much looking forward to it and i hope to see any of you there if you can get there um we are still looking into the possibility of streaming it but we will see and i think that's it bobby kotick should resign and we will see you next week bye 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 <laughs>